hey, this is Todd and Kathy. This show's content is a little bit more adult. So if your kids are listening today, um, maybe wait to listen to this because we're just going to focus on adult topics today. And um, we appreciate your understanding. Thank you. My name is Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 494 as we close in on the big 500. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Um, can you give us the topic before I run through our promos? Uh, sure. Uh, women's autonomy. Women's autonomy. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be the title of the podcast? Maybe. We'll see how it goes. Um, in no particular order, uh, tribemensgroup.org is a new website. We have a meeting on May 29th if you live in Chicagoland area. If you don't, we do have uh, things for the virtual guys out there, so it doesn't matter where you are. But uh, go to uh, our website and check it out and sign up for the email list. If you are a man who lives anywhere, you can now go to the tribe website and become a virtual member of the tribe. And so you don't have to worry about the meetings that Todd talks about in Chicago. You can actually be a part of the tribe no matter where you live. And what is, what, like, does it cost money? Like, tell them what they 10 bucks a month. Okay, 10 bucks a month. And then what do they get? You get uh, resources and you get on a call at least once a month where we talk about a video or a blog or something that uh, talks about what our mission is, which is redefining the current concept of masculinity. So basically, it's like virtual learning community and experience no matter where you live. Boom. All right. I couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) Um, We have the uh, screening of the bystander moment on Tuesday, July 9th. Uh, we have 1440 coming up. And the Bystander Movement is a movie about how to help people in our society speak up, step forward, um, become more aligned with their own sense of purpose so they can help others. Exactly. All right. Thank you. Um, 1440, you and I spend a yep. weekend with Todd and Kathy. In October. October 25th through 27th at beautiful 1440 Multiversity. All these events can be found on our webpage, which is why I'm kind of speeding through it because we want to be protective over your time. Um, and, uh, that's all the important stuff. Um, I do have a quick take. As long as the tone is the same as what I'm talking about. Is it a quick, is it, is the tone the same? Did did you hear about this adversity score that colleges are now giving to each student uh, that is going to try that's taking the SAT? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh Um, do you know what it is? Do I understand what they're doing? I understand it on a very basic level that they are trying to make uh, testing more fair. Right. The, so basically, it's a score that every. So uh-huh. our daughter, who's uh-huh. going to go, who's going to be a junior next year, uh-huh. eventually, when she does her college apps and she takes her SAT, she's going to get a score. So she's going to get a score, and it's calculated using fifteen factors, including the relative quality of the student's high school, the crime rate, and the poverty level uh-huh. of the student's neighborhood, um, and what's interesting about this. So between this kid's going to get between one and a hundred. And if you get a 50, it's average. Okay. The higher score means more disadvantage. So I'm guessing because we live in a nice suburb with a really good public high school, our daughter's score will be less than 50. What's interesting, um, that parents are already starting to complain. Sure. Uh, they, because the deal is there's families that can, 
um, send their kid to a private tutor of how to take the SAT test. Of course. And they have they all have these advantage. review courses and mm-hmm. they have an advantage. And the college counselors are already getting swamped with calls from parents saying that, is this going to make my kiddo's test score less um, significant? Significant, Right. And my thing is, first of all, there is an advantage because we live where we live mm-hmm. versus some poor kid from a poor part of the country. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with it. So mm-hmm. I just... I just wanted to just send my opinion. I'm okay with this happening. Or at least that we have to, again, you know, it's we have to take these first steps in at least discussing the disparity. How a kid who goes to a college prep high school mm-hmm. who also has tutoring, who also lives in a safe environment, um, who doesn't have to walk through metal detectors all the time, who doesn't have dogs sniffing them all the time, who is eating healthy food because there's grocery stores around them, who has family support, who doesn't have a lot of gang intervention um, or, you know, who doesn't have a lot of, um, you know, uh, lack of resources in their community that does allow them to learn mm-hmm. And be, you know, like supported in a different way. I don't really have any commentary on whether this is the right move, meaning is this what will, I kind of feel like it's similar to what we're going to talk about today with women's autonomy is that we often try and put a bandaid at the top, Mm. like, okay, we're going to allow all these things to happen. But now right before college, we'll change the score a little Mm. bit where I think as a, as a social worker, we need to look at all the disparity and yeah. why we're even yeah, let's in fix this the position. Disparity. Well, what's interesting, I, I heard an interview with the guy who was in charge of the score, and he's like, the, coll- the colleges were asking us for this information exactly. anyways. And exactly. This is just a formalization of what they've already been doing. Exactly. And I get triggered when I hear parents calling on behalf of their 17-year-old because... You know, Johnny got a fourteen hundred on the SAT, right. and they, and he may not get into Stanford. He might have to go to University of Illinois. I'm just like, you know, I know I'm being judgmental, but I'm just like, whatever. Well, I think it's again a kind of a lack of. It's a very focused energy on our own experience and a lack of understanding everyone else's mm-hmm. experience and a belief system that because this it's really it's the definition of privilege and I'm not using that as a like your privilege like not like a negative word but literally what it means yeah. is when you believe that you have a right to certain things and that other people do not. There's a belief that because you grow up in a certain place or, you know, you have a certain skill set. And, and here's the thing. It's not like, no, you really didn't work hard. You did. But what working hard is, is relative depending on where you live. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not, there's never, you know, when, again, we always do this, we always go the extremes, you know, the dichotomies, you either worked hard or you didn't, that, that doesn't work. There's nothing true about that. Sweetie, the world is gray. Like Johnny said on Cobra Kai last night. Absolutely. Johnny's trying to demonstrate grayness and instead of just strike first, strike hard, no mercy, because that can also make you an asshole. That's exactly what he said. Um, Sweetie, you're not supposed to swear I'm on this sorry, show. I'm sorry, but you know, this is what can happen when we talk about these things. It's <laughs> exactly what Johnny said. I know. It? That's why I said that's it. I quote. thought it was great because he was staring at the wall as if he was having the realization of who he was. Um, but uh, but it's, again, this is actually what we're going to be talking about today is expanding our awareness about each other and expanding our awareness beyond sound bites and expanding our awareness beyond fear, because a lot of this, you know, around this college admission, it, there's just a lot of fear 
on all sides. You know, there, um, there is, you know, there are people who are trying to make the system more fair for kids who don't have access to things that are, it's not their fault. It's not their fault that they, you know, grew up in a certain community or that there's a certain high school that cannot, you know, that cannot give them the services that a high school 15 minutes away could if they lived in that, you know, community. Across a highway, it's a completely different world. It's a totally different world. So how do we create, you know, when we talk about, like, if you're, if you send like a, um, What's it called when you send something out to people a and they fill it out? No, no, no. A survey. A survey. If you send out a survey to people and you'll say, do you think equality is important? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Equality is important. There's very few people unless they're, you know, kind of. Shut down. Well, shut down or they're contrarians yeah. that, that say, no, equality is not important. Mm. Um, but then when you really start to put things into place. Like, okay, well, then to balance this out or to bring some equality or at least bring some awareness that, like, for example, in these test scores, okay, their test score stands, but we also have to demonstrate what high school they come from, Mm -hmm. um, what their own adversity has been to explain how, you know. It's just, it it fills in a bigger picture. It fills in a big picture. That's good. And then people say, well, that's not fair Mm -hmm. because, and it's like, but how do we do that then? And again, I say that's where we expand even more and say, why is there such inequality when it comes to school systems and communities? But again, it's just, we become um, very focused on only what we understand and know. We look at everything, you know, something that we we talk about on the show a lot is how as a parent, you have to you have your own experiences and your own maturity and your own life. And we tend to take those glasses that we wear about our life and apply them to our children and everybody around us. Mm -hmm. Meaning, I'll give you an example. I had a tough time in middle school, therefore my child will, therefore I need to do all these things to keep my child safe. And it's from something that hasn't even happened yet. It was just your experience. Place of fear and then you overcompensate. You overcompensate and you make all your decisions based on something that is only true for you. It's true in your in your memory, but not for what may or may not happen to this kid. And to and so then we need to what we're gonna talk about today is we're gonna talk about women and their own autonomy and reproductive rights. And we need to have a deeper conversation about this issue because I think it is, I believe it's my responsibility as a woman and as a social worker to talk about this, also as a mother of girls and also as somebody who I feel like I can see the bigger picture because of my own experiences, um, because I really want women to talk about this. So if I want women to, I have to. Yeah. So there's, you know, Todd and I were talking last week or even a couple of weeks ago that it still feels like a third rail issue, but I got to mm-hmm. jump in because- Let's- Let's jump in the right. deep end. Soon. Well, and I kind of already have by starting the basis of everybody tends to look at their children, other people, other communities through their own lens, believing they know what's best, thinking they have all the information. And a lot of times it's just really simple. This is what you need to do. This is who you need to be because that's who I am mm-hmm. or that's what I believe or that's what I was taught. And what we're missing is an ability to understand that not everybody has our experiences, that not everybody has access to what we have access to, that not, that especially if you are of a different gender. Um, and I'll say very specifically, a man has no idea 
what it's like to be a woman in the world. Correct. And has no idea what it's like to have um, your rights taken away mm-hmm. because I think that... I can't come up with any examples of how my rights have ever been well, let's threatened. Well, let's just jump in with something that's never going to happen. Okay. What if we decided that because pregnancy, uh, let's just jump into pregnancy. Pregnancy okay. takes two people, correct? Uh, yeah, male and a female. Right. And, or, it, you know, and I know sometimes sperm that and can egg. be sperm and an egg. Okay. But typically, um, you know, it takes a, a, you know, man and woman. What if we decided that we really don't want to have pregnancies that are unwanted or we don't want to have, um, you know, women, women getting pregnant. So what if we just said, you guys need to get vasectomies. Yeah. I read this starting at fit and, and there's a bunch of them. Like yeah. this isn't the only one. And I'm not going to go through each of them. Right. But what if we did that? Right. What if we, as a country said, you guys have to get vasectomies because you can reverse them, you know? Yeah. So you just get them mm-hmm. because really women can only get pregnant, what, like a few days a month, right? Correct. But men can get women pregnant all the time. Mm-hmm. So you guys can impregnate people all the time. Women can only get pregnant for a certain amount of time. So why don't you guys get vasectomies and then get them reversed when you're ready to conceive with your significant other or person you want to conceive with? Um, one is I have gotten a, a vasectomy. Yes, you have. And uh, all it was painful, but not as painful as I thought. But I'd be like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go through that. Like, I'm going to be the Joe guy here. Okay, but you're talking about something very specific. I don't want to go through the pain of it. I'm talking about what if legally... Like, you got to go deeper here. You got to expand your thoughts on the government deciding you do not have a right to your reproduction. Mm -hmm. You have to change something internally for the betterment of society, or that's the way it would be. Because of unwanted pregnancies. Correct. That that is going to be, you you don't have a choice there anymore. Right. So how would that feel? I mean, and again, I'm not, you don't need to come up with perfect language. probably fight it and resist it. Because why? Why would you fight it and resist anything where, and not just about the vasectomy, but how does that feel when someone says to you, yeah, you don't is, have a right? This is my body and don't tell me what to do with it. Right. And not like in a childish, like kicking, don't tell me what to do with it. But what does freedom mean? Mm-hmm. Like what, like, I mean, it gets so, it, this is such a bigger issue than what people you know, when we break this conversation about women's reproductive rights down to you just want to be able to, and again, I'm going to, so when, when I see as a woman or as a woman who has worked with women my whole life, people break this argument down to you want to kill babies. Mm -hmm. It's so devastating as far as not devastating, like I feel bad, but devastating that a, that another human being, men and women would look at women and say, that's what you want. Yeah. Is that you want the right to do that. And that they, that is the minuscule pinpoint thing that they, and that by definition is misogyny Mm -hmm. because you're saying this is what women want as a whole. Yeah. That's the motivating factor. Correct. That's what they're, that's what certain people, men and women are saying about I've seen it all over Twitter. I've seen it on Facebook. I've seen people I even know say, you just want the right to kill children. Yeah. Which I can't can't even say that, like that sentence without like choking on it. Like what human being looks at a group of human beings and says, that's what is wanted. And I even witnessed the president of the United States say something about, you know, a woman gives birth. And then the the doctor and the woman wrap the baby up and then they decide whether or not that baby is going to, you know, they, he used horrible, like 
unbelievably ignorant language mm. about something that he has no idea about, yeah. that these people who are using this very, um, you know, you're either with me or against me language have no idea. And when I'm saying have no idea about it, I don't mean they haven't read things or seen their own movies or watched or read their own articles based in fear. I mean, have you ever been with a woman? When she's had to make this decision, have you ever been with a woman after she's been raped? Have you ever been with a woman who has experienced incest? Have you ever been with a woman who's been told that this baby will not be viable and that her body in her life is at risk because of this pregnancy? Mm -hmm. Have you ever been in a situation in with a doctor, like I was just, uh, you know, situation that from a few years ago that I know about somebody I know where the baby was not going to live outside the womb. And they knew that after like six months, but there was, because of the hospital they were in, this mother was forced to carry this non-viable pregnancy full term. And then she experienced all these risks because mm. of it, um, her, you know, for during a C-section and almost lost her own life. Mm. There are things, and, and we can say, oh, those are just, you know, extreme extremes. Examples. This, this is why we don't get involved in other people's um, medical needs. Mm. This is why we don't place our own agenda on anybody else's choices because we don't know. And I have had the um, challenge or the blessing of helping a lot of women in these situations. And, and let me just say that we have two choices in this country. We either have women's reproductive rights are her choices and there will be access to safe medical care. Right. Or we are going to place restrictions and archaic laws on women and women will be forced to do things that are not safe. Right. These laws do not keep abortions from happening. We know this. We know this from our history. We know this because women, you know, were being harmed and were dying. We know this. And yet we keep going backwards to this really simple idea of that if we restrict women's rights and we make this all about women, then we're somehow going to um, protect children. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I want to kind of switch gears and talk about a lot of different things that could actually protect children. Mm -hmm. And I know you'll have some input on this too, because I know I'm doing a lot of talking. No, that's all right. Okay. You and I are sex educators. Yeah. We go around to schools, communities, organizations. I talk I talk with girls. Um, Todd talks with boys about sex education. I think it's one of the most important aspects of um, growing up. I think I, I much prefer the European model that children from the time they're very young start learning about healthy relationships, their own development uh, sexually, their own... Um, you know, how they mature in a child developmentally appropriate way, but that this becomes a norm mm -hmm. because what we have seen is the more information you have, the more access to information you have, the less likely you are going to make risky choices. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So if we had sex education and that there wasn't this idea that we can only teach abstinence and that we can only teach things based around one religious model. Mm -hmm. If we could actually talk to children openly 
about their bodies, their minds, their thoughts, their curiosity. Well, and the earlier you start, the less of a stigma or discomfort there will be about the subject matter. Correct. And isn't like the Belgians start when the kids are like four? Yeah, four years old. Like in school, they start talking about healthy relationships, about body, about mechanics, about plumbing, about things that become so normalized. And let and people will say, well, why? Because it's normal, everybody. Your body and when you are born and your sexuality is how we continue and perpetuate our species. Yeah. Like this is, and it's not even about, let, let me take reproduction and actually perpetuating the species off the table. It's just the normalization of sexual feelings. Right. Even if we choose to not reproduce, right. even if we never marry, even if we never have our own children, sexuality is a very normal part of being a human being. And that is, not, and I don't think anyone would debate that. Mm -hmm. You know, no, it's not normal. Well, of course it is. So let's talk about it. Well, one example I think of is remember there was that story in the news a week or two, no, a month or two ago of the mom who wanted the girls to quit wearing yoga pants because the boys around would, would, you know, get horny or whatever right. it is. Um, and the one thing, it, this might take us down a different path and we'll come back real quick, but. There's a normalcy of of when you're 14 years old and you can see the curvature of, of 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 a woman's body. There's nothing wrong with that. Like that's a normal part. That's that's the universe. Like what you do with those feelings is something that needs to be discussed. Correct. But those feelings by themselves is completely normal. Correct. And and why are we prohibiting the possibility of it happening when it's going to happen anyways? Well, and that's the thing is basically we're saying men, we need to monitor what women are doing so men don't have to have discomfort yeah. or challenges. Yeah. And this is exactly what we're, this is why, like, even though this conversation Todd and I are having is around we, women's reproductive rights and their right to autonomy and their right to their own dignity and choices. And, in the in, you know, I kind of thought that was something I was born with. Like, it's been so interesting. Sorry, I'm getting on a tangent here, but the older I've gotten, the more rights I realize I don't have. Mm. Like, I was born into a family with a father who, um, and a mother who I, I just grew up thinking I had rights to everything. Like I didn't, I didn't cont even though I grew up in the patriarchy and I had all the experiences of, um, you know, feeling sexualized mm -hmm. and all those things I've talked about on the show, I didn't think about this in a legalistic, like legislative way. Yeah. I really did believe I had rights mm -hmm. and the older I've gotten, the more I've realized how I really don't, I didn't even have, it's like, I've had to really wake up to, which is, I think, what we've been talking about for the last however many years, but where it's like, whoa, 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 the, these, there is such a disparity in our beliefs about women versus beliefs about men. And, and one of them is women need to curb what they're doing to keep men from being uncomfortable in some way. And, and, but it shouldn't even be discomfort necessarily. You know, like you you were just talking about, we wear something and you guys have feelings. Well, right. Well, Deal with it. Deal with it, right. And behave in a way that is respectable and appropriate. Well, and and all of the responsibility, generally speaking, is always falling to the women. Always. Example, when we got married before we want to start having kids, you were in charge of the birth control, right? Right. Why? You had to take the pill. Well, you you need to answer that question. I know. It's because I was like, oh, well, that's she, she's got to worry about it. So let's talk about birth control for a second. Okay. Okay. 
So let's talk about the fact that women had to fight really hard to get birth control. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I'm not going to make this about every historical, you know, leap that women have had to make, but that in itself was a huge fight. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there, and so we've come up with these ways to ingest a pill to tell our body, you know, that, um, you know, to not release an egg, you know, there, there's a whole process and what happens or, you know, there's shots, Depo-Provera, whatever, but there are many, many, many side effects. Let me just say that each woman has a different side effect to the pill. Some people don't, some people are like, no, this is fine. And that's great. Like, this is not about saying, again, I have an expansive model of this where I understand things do work for some people and they don't for others. But my point is, is that I experienced a lot of side effects with, with birth control methods, but there wasn't ever a question of that I, should I keep going? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a teenager I was working with a while back, uh, just actually not a while back, a couple of weeks ago, who ended up in the emergency room because of the birth control that she was trying to take. And what, what does she have to do? Find another one. Mm-hmm. Find another one that you can ingest that in your teenage body will not make you faint and fall over and bleed. And instead of... There's been all this research around men's birth control. And you know what? It just hasn't been able to pass. You know why? Because of side effects. Because you guys might have side effects. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just not something that men are willing to experience. Right. Um, But with women, we are at like a, the threshold, the necessity for birth control is so much more you know, in our minds as far as our survival is absolutely necessary. And, And again, I'm saying that from a woman who lives in a you know community in the United States. Uh, let's talk about what Melinda Gates is doing in you know Africa. Let's talk about the fact that when she went over to Africa, and anybody who's read her book, um, I think it's called The Moment of Lift, you know, knows these stories, is that she went over to Africa to help with vaccinations, which she and Bill Gates have. Um, but what she was hearing from the women was, thank you for the vaccination, but where's my shot? Meaning, where's my birth control? Because I can't take care of the kids I have. I do not have a husband who is willing to wear a condom, even though condoms are readily available. Mm -hmm. When Melinda Gates actually said to Bill Gates, we need to focus on birth control in these countries, he said, don't worry about it. Birth control has already been worked into this system. It's already being funded. Well, actually... It was being funded, but in the form of condoms. And men, because of their culture or their religion, refuse to wear condoms, many of them, not all, but many of them do because they believe that if they wear a condom, that that either means their wife has is having sex with somebody else and may have AIDS, mm-hmm. or that it will somehow elude that he has something wrong with him, and therefore I shouldn't have to wear a condom. So that, that pack of condoms in the warehouse right. that's being paid for is not being used or at least enough. Right. Okay. So for the people who are awesome, yeah. but there are women who still don't have the ability to make choices about when or not they get pregnant. So Melinda Gates has made it her mission now to help women with that. Yeah. So those are the, and this is kind of the issue when it comes to reproductive rights. This is the other thing. The women who are being most affected are women who are minorities, women who socioeconomically do not have access to the care. Yeah. That So really the women who are getting hurt the most are the women who are already getting hurt the most. Yeah. So I can sit here and talk about my needs and the fact that I had side effects from birth control, but at least I had access to it. Right. You know, I see the women who are getting hurt the most be the ones who are being discarded in all the other areas mm-hmm. already. So it's very frustrating 
as a woman who wants to support other women struggling with my own community and right. then thinking about how really I'm very privileged right. in what I have access to. Right. So, sorry, just tangent about birth control is that this does fall to women all the time. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like the, just the idea of in, you know, some guys are like, well, I don't like to use a condom because it, it minimizes the sensation by the nth degree or by this small percentage. So let's talk about that. So women, it's back on you. So in this situation where there could be uh, issues with possible sexually transmitted diseases or the probability of pregnancy for the woman, the man is going to make a decision that they're not going to wear a condom because for about a minute, couple minutes, five minutes, I'll give them benefit of the doubt here, they will have a sensation that's stronger and they want that. Therefore, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I just kind of, all I have to do is just leave that on the table for everybody to just like take an expansive view of that. Deal with this right. is basically what's being said. Yeah. I want this, therefore you deal with it. And women have... Sw- is, is swum a word? Swum? Have swim, 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 swim. Swim, swim. Have swum around in this idea, many of us, our whole lives, that we do feel like it's our responsibility to make sure that that two seconds, two minutes, five minutes, whatever, mm-hmm. experience is good for you. Right. Once again, it's all about the guy. And we will take the risk of every month worrying that we may be pregnant and that the laws may now support us or not support us in our own autonomy. Well, and it's just it's just the basic responsibility is all on the women. It reminds me of Jackson Katz, who's actually the producer and the main guy in the bystander moment, and I'm a big fan. And uh, it's just, you know, they talk about the violence against women, and he has that long quote that we share mm-hmm. in our sex ed presentation, and it basically removes the guy from it completely. Like, violence against women... Just that phrase, think about that phrase. Stop and think about that phrase. Who's doing it? Who's doing it? We don't talk about that. We just know that it's women who are being harmed. Um, and and somehow by saying violence against women, there's a feel of women need to do something about this. And for every single unwanted pregnancy, there is a man on the other side of that, and we get to skate and not have to deal with it. Sometimes guys do deal with it in a responsible manner, but many, I don't know, I don't know, I don't want to say a percentage, many times guys run and they they run away as fast as they can. Or say, it's not mine, yeah. or I, I'm, I don't believe you, or I'm not going to pay attention to this. And, and again, like you said, some, some boys or men do. So there's always, well, Todd and I are going to try and hold up the most expansive view we can here. I don't believe in all, always, never. I think that there's many different scenarios, which is why we have to create space for all mm-hmm. these different scenarios. This is not a men are bad, women are good. This is a, how do we lead together in mm-hmm. this situation? Yeah. How do we see a similar experience rather than only our own. Right. How do we not just view the world through, we need to protect the little babies and forget that there are women and families and communities who are also affected. It is. It can become very simplistic to narrow down your conversation and look at a baby and say, we need to protect this baby. I honor that feeling, like meaning, you know, that's what I do for a living mm-hmm. is help families 
with parenting and focusing on that child. But then you have to back up and take a more expansive view of what does that mean? What does that mean for the woman? What does that mean for the family? What does that mean for our community as a whole, our educational system? And that's why I wanted to keep going mm -hmm. with Go this, this list. So we talked about sex education is necessary. So basically these things I'm going to run through, some of them fast, maybe some of them Todd and I will discuss, is other things that we need to consider as we are also considering taking away women's reproductive rights. Okay. Because if there is a belief in, I, I'm trying not to use pro-choice, pro-life, because I feel like it's all been twisted, okay. where they have energy that people like adhere to, mm -hmm. where they're like, I'm here, I'm here. Yeah, and, the, and, and then they don't take an expansive view. But so I'm using, if you really do believe that the answer, the solution to these issues that we're dealing with is simply to take away a woman's reproductive rights because you believe in life, then I want to focus on other things we can do to protect life. Okay. Okay. So birth control, men and women focusing on it being taken responsibility for and having it be free. Mm -hmm. Enough of this, you aren't going to pay for my birth control because your religious rights don't agree. How are we going to combat this don't get pregnant and if you do, you have no legal rights? Oh, and by the way, I'm also not going to help you with birth control. How, how do we help people understand that makes no sense? Well, at the risk of beating a dead horse, I was talking to a friend and um, he was telling me that his wife was like, well, you know, it, it is the woman's choice to get pregnant. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I'm just like... Where is the guy in this choice? We we grew up with it, Todd. I know. And we, we grew up being told we are to blame. I know. And I think that's the basic thing that makes my skin crawl. Yes. Is that women women have a choice, they can close their legs. That's what But what about rape? Well, what about incest? What about abuse? And 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 those are but let's just talk about the normal ones. Let's talk about two people just randomly having sex. Well, she could have decided not to. Let's just assume for a second that when a woman says not to, that the boy always says, oh, okay, and okay. zips up and leaves. Okay. That doesn't happen. But let's say that he did. Where is the boy or man in, where is the responsibility in that moment? Right. Why does it always fall to the woman? Right. Not always. Why does it usually... Well, I can't think of a time when it doesn't fall to the woman when it comes becomes to something like pregnancy. Well, what I'm saying is that there are guys out there that are ta that are being safe. That are showing it. up so as a partner. That's why I'm not saying mm -hmm. always. Right, got it. You're right. Expansive view. You're right. Okay. So how about free health care for women? Mm -hmm. So if they do decide that they're going to have a baby, that they don't go into debt caring for carrying the baby, mm -hmm. like medical needs and having the baby, and then raising a child that also needs health care. Mm -hmm. So we need to focus on health care, which is right now being taken away. How about focus on focusing on um, you know, looking at and researching pregnancy related deaths, especially in minority communities? We are like rate of like um, what's it called? Mortality rate. Mm -hmm as far as when it comes to birth in this country, is really high. Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad, yeah. considering that we are this developed nation with so much money. Yeah, we've so, got more doctors than any country in the world. So that's something maybe we need to look at before we start forcing women to carry children. Yeah. 
because, you know, all these things like they don't have health care. We don't have access, you know, no money. We don't have access to birth control in the first place, at least in an easy way. So how about when, if a woman decided to have a child that she actually could have a living wage Mm -hmm. where she could work one job instead of four? Did you see that, um, that clip from a couple weeks ago, it was, uh, I think it was a woman in Congress. I can't, I am assuming it was in the house of representatives and she like went through how much money this woman made for, I'm trying to remember who the guy was. He was a CEO of a very large corporation and she basically went through, you know, here's how much money this woman makes, you know, do you think she can live off of this? And of mm-hmm. course he's like, I don't know. I don't know if she can. She's like, well, you pay her salary. Mm-hmm. So do you believe she can live off this? And she went through it, the whole equation, like with, you know, long form math yeah. and demonstrated that no matter what, even without any incidentals, she'd be like $500 in debt every month. And she said, but you feel comfortable having this be her salary. Yeah. And of course he couldn't say anything. But my point is, is that's not a living wage. Sure. If you are bleeding money every month, even after working your tail off, that has nothing to do with laziness. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. That has to do with you cannot make a living wage because that is not there for you. And then let's just talk about equal pay for women. Sure. Women don't get paid as much as men do. Right. And women- the same job. And women of color get even less money. Yeah. Okay. So- All right. So tell me what to do with my body. Okay. So free college education for women so they can actually go to school better themselves and maybe get a a better job. Because right now you and I are actually looking at colleges, not, not too seriously, but our daughter's going to be a junior next year. But you know, there was a college, someone told me that maybe my daughter would be interested in the other day and it was $60,000 a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. and that's you and I. Sure. Okay. That's both of us together, much That's, less the millions of single moms out there. Absolutely. And just the idea of single moms. And I'm always like, where are the guys? Like, how does this happen? How is this possible that there's that many single moms out there? And it, <sighs> single moms who have three children and then possibly get pregnant through uh, whatever. It could be something that is a birth control failure. It could be that they were date raped. It could be that it just, you know, some kind of birth control breakdown and then they get pregnant with their fourth. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is the thing is we talk about single moms and then we talk about that. That may not even be, they may, there was a woman that I worked with at children's memorial uh, many years ago who had nine children. And right when I say that, I bet there's a lot of people who are going to judge her right away and say, oh, what's wrong with that woman, Mm -hmm. right? Well, she was in an abusive situation and she didn't have a choice Mm -hmm. when someone had sex with her. But why did she just leave him, sweetie? Right. Okay. She's going to, she was uh, completely in poverty. Mm -hmm. She had, um, her parents were never even mentioned when I was working with her. She was a young woman. She, nine children. And that choice was completely taken away from her. And I'm guessing for every one of those nine pregnancies, there was a man that impregnated her. There was, of course. I know. I know like, duh. (laughs) But why aren't we talking about those nine guys or that one guy who got this one woman pregnant nine times? Because she was showing up for her children. And she, and again, this is like, here's the thing. I, I could take this show and go through like a story. I could go through just every five minutes, go through a story of a woman. Mm -hmm. And it's probably a story that maybe you've heard similar stories, but they've been, they've always been like, oh, but that person's got something wrong with them or that, you know, they're stupid or whatever. All of these women have been 
beautiful human beings who are doing the best with what they have, who are showing up even in the midst of all their challenges and all the oppression, and they are trying to do what's right, but they have not been given their own dignity. Mm -hmm. They have not been given their own choices. They have just been told to do things for everybody else. And then this gets perpetuated. This becomes a cycle. And we, again, we right now are focusing on let's just do this law instead of all these things that I'm trying to talk about here. How about we have focus on, you know, green laws so we can actually have some healthy air to breathe Mm -hmm. because I know a lot of kids right now who struggle with asthma and things like that because of all the smog and all of our air quality. And that's just going down because we're just deregulating everything and deciding that we don't care about the air we breathe. Well, I'll give you the answer to every one of these questions. Every single one of these things costs money. But, and that's why. Right. So basically, when we talk about this, money mm-hmm. is more valued than this and, human and being. And by the way, these unwanted pregnancies cost our society more money than probably all these ideas would cost. Of course. Incarcerate, incarcerations, crimes, all that stuff. Exactly. Stricter gun laws, so women in abusive relationships aren't killed by a gun. Stricter gun laws, so our children who we're bringing into the world don't have to be victims of mass shootings, greater support for women in abusive relationships so they can actually leave Mm -hmm. a situation where they're abused because that's really difficult. That takes time after time after time. And um, a lot of times, um, unfortunately, in in abusive relationships that have been on a cycle, if that significant other has a gun, that's usually used against the women. And when I'm saying usually, not all the time, but if you look at the statistics, it's way too high. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, and you know, if a woman actually does leave an abusive relationship, how does she manage? Mm-hmm. You know, how does she pay for food? Because we want to take away all of these incentive, like all of these um, initiatives. Um, we want to take away food stamps because, you know, people are being lazy if they need food stamps. Right. Um, and obviously, you know, I'm being facetious. These are, you know, these are opportunity. These are the ways we support and help people. But we, we look at that as an entitlement, you know, that even though we give all these tax breaks to people who have plenty of money, when someone is using, leaving an abusive relationship, we don't give them access to things, or at least for a period of time where they can get their feet on the ground. How about clean water? How are people in Flint, Michigan doing these days? Do they have clean water yet? No, of course not. Um, how about you know better home care for children who are disabled or who have special needs? Um, right now, the people I know and who I work with who have children with special needs, um, some of them have some great care and they're blessed to have it. Many of them struggle constantly mm. with trying to find um, the right interventions. There are some government interventions that happen in early childhood, but a lot of them phase out. Yep. Um, we don't have any help. How about better salaries for teachers who are caring for our kids? How about actually treating teachers with some dignity? Um, how about better education policies for kids with disabilities? How about we, you know, focus there? How about more uh, women-centric rape laws where we are, instead of focusing on that this is a woman is to blame or we don't believe her, how about focusing on better, uh, more extreme penalties for men so they don't rape women? <laughs> As opposed to the amount of rape, uh, we've screened I Am Evidence, whenever that was, yeah. six months ago, the thousands, tens of thousands of rape kits that still have yet to be tested. How about it's we just, screen rape kits? Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. 
How about we put some money toward that? And how about we take this rape culture pyramid seriously, mm-hmm. where that things that we say, oh, that's just locker room talk. No, that's actually the beginning of rape culture. It's the foundation of rape culture. Um, how about, you know, the, some, you know, penalties, as you were saying, for men who rape or get women pregnant and who, let's say that it's not a rape situation, but they are involved in a woman getting pregnant and a woman is being threatened with the fact that she could, you know, go to jail mm-hmm. or be arrested that a woman or that a man is also involved in that equation. No, sweetie, that's her choice. Right. So, you know, greater funding for adoption agencies, you know, a less complicated adoption process, zero discrimination against LGBTQ communities when they want to adopt. Because right now there's total discrimination. There are families who completely want to adopt. And, um, uh, you know... How about we combat climate change so we have a world mm. for these children to grow up in? So I'm giving all these examples, and I know it's like, well, uh, many of you are like, well, of course we want all those things, but we're not focusing our energy there. What no. we're doing is we're focusing our energy on restricting women's rights. Well, and some people listen to this right away, and some people will listen to this a year from now. Okay. The, why did you decide to talk about this today, aside from it's an accumulation of a lot of, of things, but yeah. what happened in the world last week? So Alabama um, you know, signed into law um, probably the most restrictive policy in regards to women's reproductive rights, saying that even in the case of incest and rape, a woman is not able to make choices for herself, is not able to have an abortion. And, um, you know, these laws, you know, it's interesting because the laws about autonomy, like body autonomy, is, you know, it's been protected not only in Roe v. Wade, but um, Griswold versus Connecticut, uh, McFall versus Shimp, that was in 1978. These are about protection of privacy and body autonomy. Roe v. Wade is also one of them in in 1973. But it's the fact that there is this like separation between, okay, that's good for men, but we're going to change that for women Mm -hmm. is in itself the definition of, I, I mean, I could say misogyny. I could also just say that people still don't think women have the same rights as men do. It is such an attack on our freedom. And you know what people write is they'll say, this is a war against women. Men are wanting to attack women's freedom. I don't know if that's true or if men aren't seeing the big picture of this. I think it's because um, this is kind of goes back to when we were talking about emotional, you and I were talking about emotional labor. And I don't know if I can cite the exact example, but the bottom line is the fact that these things even though I have a wife and three daughters, do not directly affect me in the same way they affect you and my three daughters. And I feel like there's this disconnect. Like, oh, well, of course I love you and I love my three daughters with all my heart, but the fact that I don't have this passion that I should have on a topic such as this, I think it's one of its cultural conditioning. Two is I think that like there's this weird survival thing where I'm like, well, if I... I don't have to worry about this because I'm never going to have to have to make that choice. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's so, and, and I'm not calling you this. It's such a luxury, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yes. To, for yourself, think, I don't have to worry about this. Therefore, this isn't an issue. Well, and like, you know, we've talked about this, like, you know, you walking through a parking garage late at night, like how come 
you know, it took a while for us to, you know, right. My actually, I, I'm a sales rep for a company uh, who helps build parking garages. And up until like 10 years, if you'll notice now, new parking garages that are newly built have a lot of glass. Mm -hmm. So you could see through them mm -hmm. because I'm sure that women feel unsafe in a f weird parking garage stairwell, mm -hmm. right? Don't yeah, you? Yeah. I'm sure you'll feel more safe if it's made of glass so people can see. I think a criminal is going to be less likely to do that. But this, it it just takes a, a long time for us to realize, oh, this is important, mm -hmm. you know? I do. I do. And I think that part of the reason women get so tired um, is because, you know, again, I can't say all and always, but we are we typically, and I'll say for me, are always thinking about other people. Mm -hmm. So when 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 you hear back from people, well, I don't have to worry about that. It's like, wow, like my whole life experience is how are the kids? How are you? How's the world? How's the school system? How's our environment? And, you know, like this new organization called Supermajority that Cecil Richards and um, uh, uh, Garza, Alicia Garza, and I think another woman started their whole focus is the fact that majority of like uprising and of activism is women mm -hmm. because it has to be right. Because we're the women we are needing to keep our own, you know, rights. Yeah. Like we're working really hard, but we're the ones who are speaking up and doing this work. And, and think how much faster we would get there if we went there together. Well, and it's crazy because we are the majority. We're treated like a special interest group. Yet yeah. we're the majority of the population. And there is such a luxury that men have experienced, live, that they don't think they need to think about other people. Mm -hmm. And it shows up in what's going on in the world right now. It's very evident that, you know, when you say, well, I just want to make more money, so deregulation, or, you know, I just, you know, want to win this election, so I'm going to cut these corners or, you know, do whatever it may be. I don't really want to go into the whole political landscape today. I just kind of wanted to be able to share that, that this, this conversation, again, we break it down, we make it such this false um, experience of you're either for life or you're against life. And all of these experiences that I just spoke about, those are all for life mm -hmm. also. And if you are for life, then these are things that we need to focus on together. Mm -hmm. I am right there with you. And also that personally, individually, you get to make your own decisions. Mm -hmm. And I honor that. Whatever your decision is, that is body autonomy. That is personal dignity. You get to decide for you. And I would never want to take that away from anybody. You know, I don't even, you know, even though I was kind of, we started at the beginning by saying something dramatic, like what if all men had to give vasectomies? I would never want that for anybody. Right. I would never, I don't You're want that. You're trying to illustrate a point Correct. by saying that. Right. This is not a, I'm, I don't want to turn things around and be like, now we're going to hurt you. Like that, that doesn't do anything. That doesn't, I have no desire to harm anybody. And I also need to speak up when I feel like my daughters may get less rights than I had. It's 2019. 
And there's a possibility my daughters may have to be fighting this issue about their own body autonomy in their adulthood. It's mind-blowing. Well, there's no doubt that they're going to have to. We have we have a 16-year-old. If she's adult when she's 21, you think these things are going to be resolved in no, five years? No, they won't be. And I think what it needs is exactly what I'm trying to do today is I don't, you know, Todd and I would like to talk about mindfulness and self-awareness and, you know, how to help your kid, you know, when they fall down. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Um, and again, you know, I know that there's also people who have completely different viewpoint and I honor that as long as there is the willingness to listen to other people's stories, because I do, you know, we have a lot of listeners who have written to us in the past um, about, um, being pro-life and about this is what they believe. And I, I come, you Yes, that's your, I would never say you shouldn't believe that way or that you should believe like I do. But my hope for both of us, because this is what I'm trying to do when I listen to other people's perspective, is expand your understanding. I'm not saying you need to change your mind. I'm saying you need to view everybody through their lens and not yours. Have you sat with people who have had to make this decision? And the thing is, is for people who are like, I don't know anybody who's had to to make this decision. You do know somebody. Yeah, they're just not saying it. They're just not telling you. And that's why I'm saying for those of you who are like, we're going to put a stop to this. It will never be put. That's not going to happen. This is an issue that women deal with all the time. And... And I'm and I'm not saying they always get an abortion. I'm talking about pregnancy, mm-hmm. and that that needs to be a choice, one of the choices, you know, because obviously there's others. But this is it, this is not for a government body or for a community to decide for this individual. So for me, the reason that I feel passionate about it is because I work with men, I work with boys, and what? So like, what do we do? We have conversations with our boys. Yes. That's that's my I feel like that's my torch to carry. Yeah. Like let's have these conversations of what it means to be a man in the 21st century. Yes. And we have to start the conversation early with our young men. And we've had so many podcasts about this topic and how we spend all this energy protecting our daughters in on the college campus and they can only wear this and they can only go here with these people and they can only drink this type of drink so nobody puts something in it and we're ignoring the other side of this equation which is the young men and the old men who are perpetuating these habits and we need to redefine the current concept of what it means to be a man. Exactly. And and begin to understand instead of just taking something that has a lot of fire in it and saying, I'm going to run with this idea and this is what I believe in, become really educated about what you're talking about. Like, for example, abortion rates are the lowest that they've been in years and years and years and years and years, the lowest they've been. So obviously this isn't really, you know... It's been decreasing. Mm. Why? Because of more access and it'll to de- information. And it'll decrease more the more conversations and teaching opportunities that we have with these parents and with these young people. And so let's go at it that way. Yeah. Instead of taking let's away- Let's throw money at that. Yes. And that's, that's why I kind of was saying this list. Let's throw money at these things that actually demonstrate a respect for life and for people who are living their lives right now, who are building their their families, who are, um, you know, living on this earth and what they, what access and resources they need, 
So this doesn't have to be an issue. Like the more education that we have, the more access we have, the more compassionate and heart opened we are to people. And the more that we can listen to their experiences rather than succumb to a soundbite, the more that's, that's heart-based living yeah. rather than mind-based living. And, and also remembering that you still get to choose for you. That if you say, but I could never do that, or that would never be my choice. That's fantastic. You get to choose, but that is not every person's experience. So it, it, to me, this is not a trying to sway people to be a certain political affiliation or to call themselves by a certain name. It's to expand your awareness of other people's experiences instead of being too quick to judge everyone because of your life experience. Um, I guess one resource I want to share is you and I are, are continue to do these sex ed for the 21st century yes, presentations. We do. Um, we want to expand on that. We want to do more of that. So if you live in the Chicagoland area, reach out to us. But if if you don't live in the Chicagoland area, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there like Todd and Kathy that that give a different view of sex ed other than the plumbing and the mechanics. Like we go beyond that in the first four minutes. Okay, plumbing, mechanics, done. <laughs> now let's talk for the next 90 minutes. About, about healthy relationships. About healthy relationships. Healthy about, masculinity. About consent, all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, and we actually have a, uh, whatever, a webinar, whatever it's called on our website that you can get as well. Um, and it's in our store, but there's, there's resources out there. And if you don't know what they are, reach out to us and maybe we can help you find them because that's what we want to do is we want to empower whoever is listening to this podcast to make change in your family and your communities and things like that. Um, so that's my, that's my two cents. Yeah. Well, and you know, to just remember that as we're trying to solve all these problems of the world, that more, you know, oppression of a group of people is probably not the way to go. Mm -hmm. If I, if I haven't said that enough and you know, there's a great quote by uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg she said, this is something central to a woman's life, to her dignity. It's a decision that she must make for herself. And when government controls that decision for her, she's being treated as less than an adult human responsible for her own choices. That really this is a human autonomy issue. And that just that alone tells us maybe we should be focusing our energy on some of these other things that Todd and I were talking about that we should be focusing on instead of um, these things that sound so simple in nature that, you know, oh, we'll just, you know, women will just keep women from stopping this, realizing the impact of that in the greater picture. It's, mm -hmm. it's very, it's, um, it's devastating to me. Yeah. And I, I remember after the election and I was very upset about many things regarding the election, but this was the thing that scared me to death. And just because I work with women and I knew how devastating just this whole discussion, this fight, the fact that women have to continually bring up their traumas to prove themselves, that they have to continually share some of their most private experiences to demonstrate their humanness, that we are forced to you know, lay our whole selves bare on a table to say, do you see me? Mm -hmm. Because we aren't seen. And, um, and I just, as, as a woman who honors women and obviously honors myself and is raising three girls, um, this is devastating to me. Mm. And I don't know how to talk about it. Well, I don't know if I did, I don't know how this went. Um, 
I don't know if people will be angry or if they agree. It, it, and it doesn't matter. It's just that's how hard this is to discuss because um, people have simplified it too much. Yeah, it's an oversimplification of a problem that is much bigger and it's a different way of, you know, and like with everything else, everything... I think change happens through conversation, mm-hmm. whether conversation through lawmakers or conversation at the dinner table. And the conversation is going to get much further if it's done with a uh, ele- with elements of dignity and respect yeah. instead of accusation and finger pointing and everything and else. Labeling and labeling and making uh, assumptions about people. And, and this is, you know, for, for both sides, yeah. um, you know, making assumptions about people that they are bad people. Yeah. I don't think that anybody is in it, like wakes up in the morning thinking I'm going to hurt somebody or let me, how do I make you know, other people's lives more difficult. But I do think we have to take time to recognize why we're doing what we're doing, what we believe and how we can actually make an impact rather, rather than how we can, um, separate, separate divide. and divide. Yeah. So, um, so next week uh-huh. we're going to have Gemma Hartley on the show. Oh, good. That's next week. Um, and then we're going to have Gemma Hartley on for team Zen yes. shortly thereafter. So for next week's podcast, we're having, uh, we did an interview with Gemma Hartley who wrote fed up. And so we're going to play that interview mm-hmm. and that's about emotional labor. Mm-hmm. And then Gemma was kind enough to say that she would come on with our team Zen community. For those of you who you know don't know, team Zen is our virtual community. Um, and she's going to come on and answer questions just for team Zen people. That's going to be on June 4th, but we have a Zen talk this Friday. So if you're interested in Team Zen, it's the engine that keeps Kathy and I going. If you want to just support us or if you want to take a deeper dive with some of the stuff that we do, go to our website. Oh my gosh, it's 9.15. I know. I also want to um, say thank you to our partner, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. 630-956-1800. So we'll check you guys out next week. Uh, Keep trucking. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's a $25 monthly subscription where you'll get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us questions. If you can't join us live, you can still access all Zen talks through the Team Zen private podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page, and get discounts on everything we offer. Our tagline is zero pressure, 100% support. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. What about my book, sweetie? Just my books. I want to tell you about an exciting weekend workshop we have coming up on October 25th through the 27th at the Majestic 1440 Multiversity, nestled in the California Redwoods near Santa Cruz. For more details, send me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but Kathy and I get a small commission from Amazon. And don't forget to put next year's ZPR conference on your calendar. It's February 28th and 29th, 2020. Leap into the new year with us. That's right. Leap, sweetie. Uh, And guys, don't forget, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. 
Uh, so we talk about work-life balance, deepening relationships with loved ones. We can talk in person, by phone, or FaceTime. You get to choose. First session's free. For more information, go to toddadamscoaching.com. And don't forget about the Tribe Men's Group. We're finally reaching out beyond Chicago and are going to have some opportunities virtually. So head on over to tribemensgroup.org. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. And I'd like to give special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. He's a bald-headed beauty, and he can be found on the internet at avidco.net. And lastly, just thanks to all you listeners for listening and keeping us going after all these years. Cannot say thank you enough, and uh, keep trucking. Adios.